without a question, an answer is experienced as manipulation or control. Without a struggle, the help offered is considered interference. And without the desire to learn, direction is easily felt as oppression. Living the questions runs counter to the mainstream of Christian ministry that wants to impart knowledge to understand, skills to control, and power to conquer. In spiritual listening, we encounter a God who cannot be fully understood. We discover realities that cannot be controlled, and we realize that our hope is hidden not in the possession of power, but in the confession of weakness. Modern Grace Living the Proverbs day by day for October 14th. Today's lesson from Proverbs comes from Proverbs chapter 10, verse 14. The wise accumulate knowledge, a true treasure. Know-it-alls talk too much, a sheer waste. The power of words. Our scripture comes from James chapter 1, verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. All too often, in the rush to have ourselves heard, we speak first and think next, with unfortunate results. God's word reminds us that reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing, as from Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. If we seek to be a source of encouragement to friends and family, then we must measure out our words carefully. Words are important. They can hurt or heal. Words can uplift us or discourage us. And reckless words spoken in haste cannot be erased. Today, measure your words carefully. Use words of kindness and praise, not words of anger or derision. Remember that you have the power to heal others or to injure them, to lift others up or to hold them back. When you lift them up, your wisdom will bring healing and comfort to a world that needs both. My Utmost for His Highest, October 14th. Individual Discouragement and Personal Growth. Our scripture comes from Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. When Moses was grown, he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. Moses saw the oppression of his people and felt certain that he was the one to deliver them. And in the righteous indignation of his own spirit, 
he started to right the wrongs. After he launched his first strike for God and for what was right, God allowed Moses to be driven into empty discouragement, sending him into the desert to feed sheep for 40 years. At the end of the time, God appeared to Moses and said to him, this is from Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, Bring my people out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go? In the beginning, Moses had realized that he was the one to deliver the people, but he had to be trained and disciplined by God first. He was right in his individual perspective, but he was not the person for the work until he had learned true fellowship and oneness with God. We may have the vision of, of God and a very clear understanding of what God wants, and yet, when we start to do it, there comes to us something equivalent to Moses' 40 years in the wilderness. It's as if God has ignored the entire thing, and when we are thoroughly discouraged, God comes back and revives his call to us. And then we begin to tremble and say, Who am I that I should go? We must learn that God's great stride is summed up in these words from Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. I am who I am has sent me to you. We must also learn that our individual effort for God shows nothing but disrespect for him. Our individuality is to be rendered radiant through a personal relationship with God so that he may be well-pleased. We are focused on the right individual perspective of things. We have the vision and can say, I know this is what God wants me to do. But we have not yet learned to get into God's stride. If you're going through a time of discouragement there is a time of great personal growth ahead. Streams in the Desert for October 14th. Uh, we have two scriptures that we're going by. The first is Acts chapter 12, verse 7. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Acts chapter 16, verses 25 and 26. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. This is the way God works. In our darkest hour, he walks to us across the waves, just as an angel came to Peter's cell when the day of Peter's execution dawned. And when the scaffold was completed for Mordecai's execution, 
the king's sleeplessness ultimately, ultimately led to his action favoring God's favored race. That can be found in Esther uh, chapter 6. Dear soul, you may have to experience the very worst before you are delivered, but you will be delivered. God may keep you waiting, but he will always remember his promise and will appear in time to fulfill his sacred word that cannot be broken. God has a simplicity about him in working out his plans, and yet he possesses a resourcefulness equal to any difficulty. His faithfulness to his trusting children is unwavering, and he is steadfast in holding to his purpose. In Joseph's life, we see God working through a fellow prisoner, later through a dream, and finally through lifting Joseph from a prison to the position of governor. And the length of Joseph's, of Joseph's prison stay gave him the strength and steadiness he needed as governor. It is always safe to trust God's methods and to live by his clock. God in his providence has a thousand keys to open a thousand different doors in order to deliver his own, no matter how desperate the situation may have become. May we be faithful to do our part, which is simply to suffer for him and to place Christ's part on him and then leave it there. Difficulty is actually the atmosphere surrounding a miracle or a miracle in its initial stage. Yet, if it is to be a great miracle, the surrounding condition will not will be not simply a difficulty, but an utter impossibility. And it is the clinging hand of his child that makes a desperate situation a delight to God. Holiness Day by Day for October 14th. Cruise control or race car. Our scripture comes from 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. If we are to love God with all our heart and soul and mind, and if obedience is a major part of such love, it follows that we're to obey him with all our heart, soul, and mind. We're to putting everything we have into obedience to him. Most of us believers practice what I call cruise control approach to obedience. We press the pedal of obedience until we've brought our behavior up to a certain level or speed, which is most often determined by the behavior standard of other Christians around us. We don't want to lag behind them, nor are we eager to forge ahead. We want to just comfortably blend in. Once we've arrived at this comfortable level of, of obedience, we push the cruise control button on our hearts, ease back, and relax. We don't have to watch the speed limit signs in, in God's Word, and we certainly don't have to experience the fatigue that comes with striving to obey Him with all our heart soul, and mind. By contrast, consider race car drivers. 
they wouldn't think of using cruise control. They're not interested in blending in with those around them. They want to win the race. So when they're totally focused on their driving, they try to push their car to the outer limits of its mechanical ability and endurance and press themselves to the limits of their skill. They're driving with all their heart, soul, and mind. This is what it means to love and obey God with all our heart, soul, and mind. It means striving for holiness. In the words of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it means making every effort to add to our faith the various facets of Christian character. In the words of 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, the discipline of grace. 